This is Growing Agri People, a podcast to inspire, power, and celebrate people of agriculture. Brought to you by Sally Murphitt of Inspire Ag, who believes the power of agriculture is in its people. Each episode connects you with people and ideas to help you grow your human capital. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Growing Agri People. I'm your host, Sally Murphitt. Before we kick off, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for those of you who listened to the first episode of this podcast. I was literally blown away with all the kind and positive feedback from those of you who listened. And from what you've told me, it certainly hit the mark. A podcast, though, is nothing without its listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom depths of my heart. You've made a girl with a passion for agriculture and its people extraordinarily happy. I'm so glad that you can join us for episode two. Our guest, Cynthia Marnie, is the director of Cynthia Marnie and Associates in Victoria. She's a leadership facilitator and coach who understands people, but most importantly, she understands our industry. Synth has a mantra that happier people are higher performing and this caught my attention recently and I just knew I had to explore this with her further so invited her to be a guest on the show. We chat about her personal journey of self-discovery from an ag science grad to a highly successful and regarded coach and facilitator. Synth has a lived experience and I think this enables her to help people, teams and organisations make positive change and achieve personal success and professional success for that matter with a healthy dose of empathy. Cynthia takes some really heavy topics like personal disruption, neuroscience, positive psychology, emotional courage and well-being, just to name a few and distills it in a way that's easy to digest. And I think this is really important, particularly in the rapidly changing environment that we're operating in. So without further ado, let's get stuck into episode two of Growing Agri People. Cynthia Marnie, it's, it's so wonderful to have you as the second guest on the Growing Agri People podcast. Thanks for joining us. Sally Murphitt, I am so privileged to be here. I can't believe I'm the second guest. That's so exciting. And uh, congratulations to you for starting this initiative. It'll be so helpful for people. Well, I hope so, yeah. I mean, the the reason that I started this podcast was because I wanted other people to share in some of the conversations that I was having out in the industry uh, because I found them really, really powerful and everyone else needed to be a part of that as well. So hence we have the, the podcast Growing Agri People right before us. Yeah, and in my experience, I think the people side of things is something that agriculture and agribusiness could really uh, put some time into focusing on. So I'm really pleased that you're drawing the attention to this really important part of business. Yeah, thanks, Cynthia. Cynthia, you describe yourself as a leadership facilitator and coach. However, before that, you had quite an extensive and successful career in government. Can you take us on that journey to where you are today? Yeah, thanks, Sally. So I graduated from agricultural science and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I had this vision of being a eventually a consultant, a farm management consultant with my own business working from home. 
and I joined the Department of Agriculture in Victoria and I was lucky enough to, funnily enough, join the economics group as a farm management economist and I worked there for a number of years doing some research on rural adjustment in the southern Murray-Darling Basin and I was looking at how farm businesses are actually successful and in the 90s it was all very economic rationalism and people make decisions based on numbers and my research was finding that people didn't make decisions on numbers they were actually making making them on what was going on in their lives more broadly and so that got me away from numbers and really interested in people and what motivates people to change and So I was super lucky to then get into um, facilitation and working with farm families and businesses to have conversations about where they were headed, to have conversations within their families about expectations, about assumptions, and to learn skills to be able to communicate with each other to have those really big conversations Um, That really fired me up into wanting to work with people um, around change and around growth and enabling groups of people to have those conversations as well. And, And then from then on, I had a number of other roles. I was the coordinator of the Rural Women's Network in Victoria, which was amazing, was worked internally in change management with the department as a business improvement facilitator, so trying to get staff engaged in cultural change in the organisation. And then I was really lucky because Dad grows vines and my brother's a winemaker and my other brother was a vineyard manager and I got to work in the Grape Check program as a facilitator working across the industry. But I was still really interested in people and development and change and I managed to get some funding to run a national leadership program for the wine industry and that took me all over Australia and I moved to be uh, to move to agribusiness where I was a project manager working on wine and also summer fruit. And so, yeah, had a really wide and varied role, but my real love was facilitation and I eventually left the organisation because I wasn't doing a lot of that facilitation work. I really love the the breadth and the depth of your experience here. Like you're not just talking about you know, the business dynamics, the numbers, the the spreadsheets, the um, the bank managers, those sort of things. I think what you've what you've got or the experience that you've got adds a tremendous value to your clients. And you've got a good range of clients ranging from individuals, businesses, uh, groups and government. Out of everything that you do, I want to know what truly lights you up. Yeah, so what truly lights me up is seeing people develop and grow and become their, it's going to sound so cliched, becoming their best selves. And I am just so often blown away when I'm doing coaching and I see people absolutely transform. They're willing to do the work to look into themselves. They're willing to find out from other people how they're perceived. They're willing to experiment and learn new things about themselves. And that takes a lot of courage to want to um, look at your blind spots so that you can rise above them and become better at your job and better with other humans. And I just 
am continually amazed. People let go of beliefs. They grow in confidence. They grow in clarity. They step into their power. And that's what I really love doing with people in um, coaching, but also in teams as well, because often I reckon just from my own experience, I, I had um, some very dark days in my career with feeling lost and feeling like um, I was in a little box that I couldn't escape from. Mm-hmm. And so I have this abs- I am driven by the thought that I never want other people to feel lost. I don't want other people to feel like their strengths aren't appreciated and and that they aren't absolutely amazing people because I think everyone's amazing. And it's just a matter of hopefully you can discover it for yourself and then build on that. So I want to help people see how amazing they are and how they can contribute their talents to the world. And I've been really pleased lately by reading a lot of the neuroscience research. And a lot of that shows that happier people are higher performing from a brain science point of view. And so I think if we're able to build people up in in our teams, if we're able to put them in a space where they're in their power, they're contributing their strengths to the world, they're able to have courageous conversations and be accepted for who they are, then I think we create happier people, but that's got a really big impact for our businesses and our organisations in that we perform better. Yeah, that's a really special moment, isn't it, when you, and and a privilege too, I would say, when you actually get to witness the light start to illuminate with somebody when they've been in that little dark place for a long time, not knowing where they need to be or want to be, but they start to have those realisations and you can almost see their face change, can't you? Absolutely. I had someone on a call the other day and I noticed her physiology has changed. She looked different. She looked lighter. She looked more confident and she was speaking in a more confident um, way. So I just feel when you're able to be your authentic self, I mean, it makes sense. When we're able to be ourselves, we don't have to hide. We're proud of what of what we've got to offer. Um, we're not feeling shame um, and we're accepted, then we do, we are, we're in line with our values and we're able to be the people that, who we are, rather than trying to hide and be someone else to fit in somewhere. Mm. Mm. So you cover a wide range of disciplines in your, in your business, Synth, but do you have a passion topic? I do have a passion topic. I really, uh, I want to embrace courage. So that is my passion topic, that emotional courage. And I read a great quote which said that when you're willing to feel everything, you can do anything. Mm. And I believe that that is true. When we're able to sit with our fears, when we're able to sit with feeling uncomfortable, then, and we're able to to then have some insight into what's driving our behavior, we can make different decisions. So a lot of us, I think, don't like one of the biggest topics I'm asked to address in my high-performing teams work and with coaching is how to have those difficult conversations. And I think that a lot of us, we, we can easily finger point and blame and think it's all everybody else's fault 
But if we're willing to just sit with ourselves and go, hmm, how did I react there? What was going on for me? Then we can get some insights into what's really driving our behavior. But we need courage to do that because quite understandably, we want to protect ourselves from feeling pain. And so it's logical that we would want to shift and not sit with certain feelings. But I reckon if we can sit with those feelings, if we can have summon up that emotional courage, then that enables us to um, to to be able to do be more more effective in the workplace. And um, I think with courage that we Brene Brown, who's one of my uh, absolute loves in life, that's what I'm passionate about. Brene Brown and her work on courage. <laughs> she she often talks about that we're too nice, we're too polite, and but we're only nice on the surface. And so behind everyone else, behind people's backs, we're talking about them. We're um, undermining the leader of the team. We're not taking responsibility for our own behaviour. And it all starts with you and it all starts with you being accountable for your own behavior. So you've got agency and choice in how you behave. And I reckon that if you're able to summon up that emotional courage, then you can disrupt yourself and then you can choose different responses that make you a lot more effective in your relationships and how you deal with other people. Mm, That's really powerful, isn't it? Is there a story is there a backstory behind the passion topic of courage for you why is it important to you Synth? yeah thanks for this question Sally so when I was really in a hole in the department and I felt really misunderstood I was low in confidence I thought that I don't know what it is I do but I just keep getting into trouble and I keep for some reason I keep annoying other people and pissing them off and So I I was very much in victim mode and this just keeps happening to me. And I thought, I know that somewhere in there, I must, there must be something I'm doing, but I don't know what it is. And I really want to find out what it is. And um, I did some reflection and it asked me to think about the peak moments in my life. And it asked me to think about the moments when I was struggling and what were the themes involved. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that stood out to me was that the best things in life that I've done have been when I was absolutely terrified. And so one of them, for example, was when I started in the department, I was an economic researcher and I always thought I could be really crap, but I'd never know because I'm never in front of anyone. So I always had this self-doubt and I thought, do you know what, if I, I, I would truly know if I'm good or not if I have to stand in front of a group of farmers and facilitate, like I'll soon know if I'm any good. And Mm. so it absolutely terrified me, the thought of doing this, but I thought, bugger it, that's how I'm going to know. So I did some facilitation training and then I got a job as as a facilitator in the Farm Smart program, working with farm families. And it was the best thing that I've ever done. I really found the true me. And so when I thought back on all the times in my life that I've taken risks, I I decided in year eight, I wanted to go to boarding school, leave home at the age of 15. And mum and dad were were very nice. And we were very lucky to have some financial um, situation I could do that. So I left home at 15. 
great, loved it, loved boarding school. Um, went to starting my business. That was a huge leap of faith to resign from the department with nothing to go to, but it's been the best thing that I've ever done in my life. So that for me, when I've shown emotional courage, um, that's enabled me to, to be my best and to really find myself and be myself. Do you think there's some common myths about courage? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the most common myths I think is that courage, you're courageous or you're not. And like leadership, it's it's kind of like, you know, people, oh, you're a leader or you're not, but courage is actually an action. It's a decision. So one of the things that I often do is each year I have a theme and I try to use that theme to help me face challenges um, through that year. And it's like an anchor. So one of my themes in recent years was emotional courage. And so I would think when I was making decisions, what would emotional courage look like right now? And so emotional courage isn't an absence of fear at all. It's actually feeling the fear and still going through and having that difficult conversation or doing that thing that feels really hard or feels like a stretch. It's taking on things that challenge you. And if we don't get challenged, we we don't grow. So we can't stay in our in our comfort zone because then we we never we never grow and change. So I think everyone can be courageous and it's a decision and then it's the action that you take. Mm. Courage and comfort can't ride the same horse, hey. I saw that quote that you put up, Sally, and it is spot on. Say I have an employee who's got lots of potential, but they don't, but you feel that they're hanging back. How do you get somebody to step up within your business, but perhaps they don't have the courage or the confidence to do so? How do you get them to step forward? So I think quite a bit of this is with self awareness because the research has found that. 95% of us think that we're self-aware, but only 10 to 15% of us actually are, which is quite a stunning statistic when Mm. you think about the impact that that has on our lives, our our work lives and and our home and community lives. So we're all walking around thinking that we come across in a certain way, but we're, we're blind a lot of the time. So what I would do in my work is, is I start with, individuals in the team in building self-awareness and self-awareness is what's going on with you in at any one moment so that you again you're not a robot on autopilot just operating in default mode that you're actually able to disrupt yourself and choose the appropriate behavior for the person or the situation that you're in Mm. so when you when you're saying that you know you you need to be able to, to be self-aware and stuff like that. Are you talking about the individual or are you talking about the leader? Well, both, both, absolutely, both. But w- with the individual, it's really um, individuals in the team. So for that person that um, had lots of potential but didn't realise that they did, it's like, so what stops you? What gets in the way? And it might be beliefs that are holding them back. So, again, that's that stuff of self-awareness of what's going on within you at any one time that makes um, makes you choose certain ways of operating. 
And the second part of self-awareness is how do we come across to other people? And a lot of us have no idea how we come across to other people. I had someone in a team meeting the other day saying, oh, I think I come, I'm a really good negotiator and communicator. And I said, oh, that's really interesting. How do the rest, how do you, in conflict, how do, you, how do the rest of you think that um, this person comes across? And someone said, um, really honestly, well, actually, I experience you as um, aggressive. And this woman was shocked. She had no idea that that's how she was being perceived by the rest of the team. So there's got to be, and it wasn't as blunt as that. That's pretty confronting to have that happen. So you've got to build trust in teams. You've got to create psychological safety, which is where people feel they can be themselves without being judged and that they're accepted. Um, and I, I, so that's what I would start with, with that person, like, what's your level of self-awareness? What gets in the way of you being the person you could be? And then really asking them to take some accountability by, so it's not, you're not in victim mode. You're not in below the line mode where everything happens to you. It's never your fault, but you're actually saying, how did I respond to this situation? And people that are operating, I guess, with integrity, uh, they take accountability. So they would say, I'm going to choose how I behave in this situation. It takes a lot of practice. It's not easy. And it's a slow process. But um, I've really seen people change and develop. And like I said earlier, step into their power as a result of being more mindful about themselves, about getting feedback from others, about bringing focus to what they do, and then running experiments. So I'm going to be uncomfortable potentially. It's I'm not going to feel great about doing this, about maybe being speaking up more if I'm quiet in a meeting. But if you don't speak up, then you've got to step forward and create the space sometimes. So do that, be uncomfortable but then find ways that you can go back to being yourself again. So we talk about borrowing behaviours from from other styles of communication when we need it. Mm, I love that. And I think that what you've just said, the scenario that you've just explained, that takes courage, but I think also most importantly that takes vulnerability, doesn't it? To be able to sit in that discomfort while you hear that truth, that's, that's, that's a huge part of leadership, isn't it? Absolutely. And the research has also shown that with leaders in organisations, the higher up they get in the organisational tree, the less self-aware they are. Mm. And there was a study done where they asked leaders to nominate what they were really good at. And then they asked their teams to give feedback. And 80% of things that the leaders nominated themselves as being awesome at, their teams thought they were really bad at. And I think that's because higher the higher up you go, there's a pow- bit of a power thing going on and people are too scared to speak up. So the role of the leader is also to be vulnerable, to admit when they stuff up, to ask questions, to get feedback and make it safe for people to give feedback. And I think that's something I've, I've been focusing a lot on how you give feedback but more recently, uh, it's it's really become clear to me that how we accept feedback is just as any 
is just as an important part of the equation. And what I'm I'm going to bring to my team workshops um, is a new module, and that is around on how we receive feedback. Because I think a lot of people, you're right, it's really challenging to hear about your blind spots. And so, but if you if you're defensive, then no one's going to say anything to you, but they still think it anyway. Mm-hmm. And they still talk about it anyway. So I reckon you may as well know about it so that you can do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's fair to say, since that in 2020, there's never been a better business case for leadership. It's, it's never been a more important topic, has it? Absolutely. When I talk about leadership, one of the things that I want to bring to teams and organisations is that everyone is a leader no matter what role they have in an organisation. So like I said, with courage, leadership's an activity. It's not it's not a, a position in an organisation. So part of my passion in working with teams is, is enabling everybody to be a leader no matter what role they're in. And if you can imagine, imagine if everyone was more self-aware, more engaged, more accountable, taking responsibility. They had agency in their role and particularly around this pandemic, they're not sitting back waiting for someone else to have all the answers. They're being proactive. What a huge difference that would make to our organisations and teams. And so I kind of reckon, um, yeah, that that Building the capacity of everyone in the team to be the, a leader, no matter what role they're in, is hugely important. But also, I have interviewed leaders recently on how they what they've learned during this pandemic time, and a lot of them said that they feel more connected to their direct team than they ever have before, because lots of people are checking in via Zoom and doing their regular team meetings, but they feel more disconnected from an organisational point of view because you're not going to the team meetings where you might bump into people um, in your network and have those kind of serendipitous conversations. Mm-hmm. They also spoke about how important it was that to be human during this pandemic and to be really kind. And so all of the leaders I spoke to, which I just thought was really wonderful, was that they all said their first priority was to let their staff know that they were the most important thing, that their well-being, their health was the most important, that of their families also, and to look after themselves. And a number also said, you know, if you can't get it all done, because I reckon we've got to redefine what productivity looks like as well, because with homeschooling and for a lot of us in Victoria at the moment, um, you know, productivity is severely affected. But if we're if we're hard on people, we're just going to actually um, make the problem worse. So I think that compassion, being human, and for leaders to show that they're human, they're struggling, they're authentic as well. That a lot of them said to me it was a great opportunity for them to reveal more of their human side to their staff, which builds trust and builds engagement with staff. Since you've been one of those really fantastic leaders that I've I've really admired, particularly in 2020, for the way that you have humanised your role in leadership. So you, you've been able to say, so, okay, that happened. Now how can I adjust my sales and, and move forward so that I can be of service and value to my clients? You've done some wonderful initiatives in this time. Is there one in particular that you're most proud of? 
Um, well, I, yes, I, I do have one that I will share, but my um, just coming back to that um, kind of adjusting yourself and adjusting your performance, I think when this pandemic first arose, I, I kind of went, oh, oh, yes, this is an opportunity for me to come face to face with who I really am. Like my, I'm going to really see myself here because how I respond is going to show me what sort of person I really am. Mm. And so I thought this, you know, this is the time for courage. This is the time for creativity. Um, this is the time for reaching out and supporting people. Um, this is the time to be sharing. Gosh, I'm having a really crap time at the moment. Um, so I kind of thought it's it's now when, I don't know, whenever I'm in a challenge, I kind of also think this is going to show me, I guess, a little bit about my the calibre of person I am. With, with also wanting to be kind to myself as well because I'm I'm really crap at well-being. Like I find it really hard to look after myself and that's why it's such a passion of mine because and it's often that we're, when we really struggle with things and we're trying to work through them, they become, um, I guess, uh, the irony of expertise, the irony that we're, we really need help with some things and conflict's another one for me. Like I, I have found it hard to to have conversations about conflict and I've got stuck and I've this stuff's happened to me and so I want to help people not be me <laughs> in some of these struggles and to have better skills and be better resourced. So I think that definitely revealing stuff that you're going through helps other people. Um, I also, I've been doing a lot of work in wellbeing over the last few years, but I decided um, over the pandemic, I thought, gosh, a lot of people are going to need some support to focus on their wellbeing. And so I started, I just thought I've got all these amazing rural, regional and remote women in my network who are so wise and we could learn so much with them because a lot of them, for we people like I'm in Victoria and we're isolated, but a lot of people in rural and regional Australia, that's their kind of, that's how they live. So I thought there's going to be a lot of um, wisdom that we can gain from that. And I started a weekly Zoom session um, called Wellbeing Wednesday where a colleague, Louise Thompson, who's amazing, and I interview a woman from our network and we've created a real little community. Sally, we interviewed you to get some of your wellbeing wisdom and um, I think that's been a really, oh, it's just been amazing to discover all this unlocked wisdom and talent. And a lot of the women have said, oh, why are you interviewing me? I'm not, I don't have anything worthwhile to say. And so again, it's been amazing. We we have not had one bad interview on Wellbeing Wednesday. Everybody has had something different to offer. And along with that, we've created um, an opportunity for other people who want to learn to, to come in on the Zoom and create a community. Um, and then the other thing, one more thing that I've done is I do have this wellbeing vacation workshop where I dress up as an air hostess and take people on a, a little flight um, to have some fun, but also to, to do some serious thinking and having conversations about wellbeing. And so I've been really proud of that as well, because again, I, I just think through this pandemic, um, a lot of people are struggling. We will keep struggling because this is going to go on. We're, we're in a time of rather than change just being short and sharp and over and we can move on, this change is prolonged 
And so we're under a lot more pressure. We're under a lot more long-term stress and anxiety. And all the research shows is, is that when we're under stress, our brain, our brain networks shrink. And so that's why you see people not making very good decisions like buy, panic buying toilet paper um, and hoarding and getting angry like over wearing masks and because our, when we're under stress, our, our brain shrinks and also we go into that amygdala reptile part of the brain where we want to fight, fight, freeze or appease. So often we're, we, are, we do get into autopilot and we don't make very good decisions. So I guess through my work at the moment, I see for us to be performing to help our community um, and to help our, our teammates and our families that anything that I can do to support people to look after their well-being is really going to help with resourcing people to cope better through this prolonged stressful experience that we've got. Mm. So out of out of those those women that you've interviewed from a rural remote and regional Australia, what has been has there been a central theme that the the guests have brought forward about how to reduce overwhelm and keep performing in these really difficult times? The interesting thing, Sally, is we've interviewed now twenty four women, and each of them have had something slightly different to say, which has been so interesting. But I guess the key things have been around. Um, gratitude, the practice of gratitude um, and how much that impacts on our well-being, puts our brain into a different mode and helps us focus on some of the positive things. A lot of them have said to really know yourself and know what fills your bucket and, and recharges your, I guess, your battery and to be doing more of those things. And one of the whole points about these these wellbeing activities has been the power of connection. So not doing it on your own, but and not thinking you've got to be a, a lone ranger. That reaching out, seeking help. A lot of women have spoken about that they you know they see a psychologist, they talk to their friends, they've seen their GP, um, they've gone on online forums. One of we had a really sort of excited session by the when someone mentioned that they'd done mental health mental. Um, first aid training so there's been and then and then kind of on the there's been other people talking about health diet um, spirituality um, lots of different sort of different takes on well-being but I think they've been the central things Mm, okay so Synth in a nod to yours and Louise's well-being Wednesday what are your three top tips for for well-being? You, you ask your every single guest that comes on on that what are their three well-being tips? So I'm interested to know what are yours. Uh, thank you, Sally. So I've probably mentioned a couple of them, but I'll start with hack your brain. So we are hardwired to focus on the negative and it's because of the way that we evolved and we were always on the lookout for threats. So our brains are wired to notice what's going wrong rather than what's going right. And there's been a lot of research, um, Barbara Fredrickson, if people want to check her out, she's done a lot of work on um, positivity and performance. And this isn't magical thinking, it's actually just taking some time through your day to notice the things that are going right, the things that, um, the beautiful things out there when you go for a walk, the the trees, 
the sun on your face, that lovely conversation you had with your niece, that little purr that your cat gave. My second tip would be just be really kind to yourself and others that everyone's struggling right now and everyone reacts differently. So I've likened it that we're all running a marathon. We're all in a marathon at the moment, but we're all running in different conditions. So in Victoria at the moment, there's probably a lot of us feeling like we're doing the Tough Mudder course. Um, Mm. We're running through um, mud where um, people who are homeschooling, um, some of us are running with a headwind or in rain. And then others of us are running in fine conditions. Like I've spoken to other people in parts of Australia and life's pretty normal for them. Um, So we're all in different conditions and we will change So it's okay to be up and down. Like I was absolutely depleted last week and we will just go up and down. So be kind to yourself, but also recognize that that person you might've checked in with last week who said they were great last week may not be so this week. So keep checking in with people and ask for help. So same same boat, different storm, hey? Yep, absolutely. And then the third thing... um, is again, like I said, really being um, clear on what recharges your battery. So that's becoming clear on what depletes it and trying to do less of those things and replacing them with things that that, that charge you up. So always remember, like, there is no work-life balance. It's a myth. There is no such thing. It's always about compromise. So if you start doing something new, you're going to have to stop doing something else. And I think it's really wise to remember what you say, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And when you're saying no to something, you're saying yes to something else. So be really clear on what you want to say yes and no to. Um, And I had someone asked me a great question last week, and it was just to think about what three things will you fight for? So Cynthia, what are you fighting for? I am fighting at the moment for my nutrition. So I've just started seeing a nutritional coach to get some help with. And I actually, Sally, I had a DNA test that showed me um, what genetically, what foods I'm are good for me and what foods aren't. And I have been um, following a meal plan set out to me by this nutritional coach. And within a week, I noticed that my energy was a lot better as a result of making different decisions. Because I thought I was doing the right thing, but actually like coconut, everyone says coconut oil is really good for you. But this person said, but it's not for you, Cynthia, your genetics it doesn't work like that. And, and I'm from Irish descent. And she said, there weren't many coconut trees growing in Dublin, were there? And I went, mm, yeah, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so that's what I'm, I'm fighting for. And my new goal for what I need to fight for in this coming month is exercise. That's my um, which I'm hoping will be helped by the arrival of my new little puppy, Elfie Cavoodle, coming in a couple of weeks, and that will boost my well-being, I believe. So so the first thing you're fighting for is nutrition. Yep. Second is exercise. What's your third? Um, what is my third? I reckon my third is uh, there's been a, a bit of discussion in my network recently about personal power and being able to be in your own power and I think in a time where again there's so much out of our control right now that focusing in on 
your power, what you can control, what you're good at, and how do you contribute that to the world? That's what I want to keep focusing on for the next quarter is contributing my own personal power, being, being, um, I guess, being in it, and then being able to offer that to others to support them. That sounds extraordinarily powerful. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have done? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, What's one thing you could accomplish today that would make today a success? Just to set yourself up at the start of the day and then not be kind of always down on yourself that you haven't done enough. I So what's just one thing you could do today that's going to make your day a success and and then give yourself a pat on the back for that. Um, I think we need more more fun, more joy and more self-compassion right now. The best thing that you can do to get great numbers, great performance, great KPIs is to treat your people well, is to actually do those things that are caring and so my encouragement, all the all the young people I've worked in in ag, they want their, their industries to be more communicative and collaborative. They want their leaders to be more authentic. They want their leaders to be more emotionally intelligent. And so I think time's up. Time's up for dinosaur old school leadership and we've got to build some new skills. Look, Cynthia, you have been incredibly generous with your time. I thank you so much for your insight and wisdom. I think this has been a phenomenal second episode of the Growing Agri People podcast. Thank you so much, Sally, for inviting me. I feel really honoured. Go forth and be courageous, friends. And I think if you do that, we how what a great community we will create if we're all more courageous and, and also compassionate. Cheers to that. Growing Agri People is an Icon Media production for Inspire Ag, hosted by Sally Murphy, with the theme music from Daniel King. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this podcast with someone who you think will get some value out of it. And make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. 